The following Lipid Luminations program is brought to you by First Line Therapy, a Metagenics lifestyle medicine program. Good for your patients, good for your practice. Visit firstlinetherapy.com. You are listening to ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. Hi, this is Dr. Vera Bittner, President of the National Lipid Association. I'd like to welcome you to Lipid Luminations, hosted by Dr. Alan Brown and presented by the National Lipid Association. Today we're live from the National Lipid Association Conference in Chicago, Illinois, and we'll be interviewing Dr. Ann Liebeskind, the Clinical Program Director of Heart and Vascular Services at Affinity Health System, St. Elizabeth Hospital in Appleton, Wisconsin. Dr. Liebeskind is a practicing lipidologist. She's boarded in internal medicine and pediatrics. And the reason we are excited about interviewing her today is because she's done intensive study in lipid management and has developed some systematic approaches to patient care to try and improve the percent of patients who are achieving their lipid goals. I'm hoping, Ann, that you can provide us with some insights on things that the average practicing physician could do to get better results for their patients. So let's start by hearing a little bit about your clinic and the type of processes that you've put in place to try and give efficient care to your patients. Our clinic started out very small. We started out with just a small group of cardiologists and built a lipids clinic and then over time have built additional programs supporting that. So right now we offer a complex lipids clinic. We offer an LDL apheresis program. We offer some disease management in a clinic called the Courage Clinic based on the level of care given in the Courage trial. We are developing some cardiometabolic programming and really building one thing upon another over time. All of us who are involved with fairly intense lipid clinics struggle with the fact that we can only provide intense therapy to a small number of patients. And I know you're interested in the idea of trying to look at why large numbers of patients don't achieve their NSEP goals. So I wonder what kind of processes have you put in place to try to capture those patients and to improve adherence to the guidelines? I think that education is key. I think that residual risk and lack of adherence to guidelines starts with the fact that there's a lot of confusion over what really is the priority. Things take priority in an office visit, and if you don't have a system in place to be sure that you're catching the LDLs and that you're making sure patients are getting their labs and things, then when they come in with their back pain and that's what they want to talk about, those other things become missed opportunities. So I think that, first of all, making sure that in just the primary care office, not in the complex lipids clinics, but in the primary care offices, that they have a system in place to always catch those things that we know are important metrics and that they're getting measured, and then they build upon that with education over time. And then I think it comes down to also educating the patients so that they know that it's important and they're coming back for their preventive therapies too. With that in mind, it is obviously a difficult time in medicine. We're being asked to do more things with less and less reimbursement. The physician's time is often you know, short with the patient. Can you give us an example of the types of systems that could be put in place so that when the patient comes in with a urinary tract infection, their LDL doesn't go by the wayside? I think a good example is that we are just implementing a stronger electronic health record in our system, and and we have a fairly large-sized system. But in the average office, we even started with just paper tracking forms and nurses who are educated in the importance of catching these things. I think if you enable your staff and empower them to realize what's important so they don't let you slip up on missing those things, then it can be a simple tracking form in their chart. If the patient hasn't been in in a year, you know there's preventive management that needs to happen. 
happen and it's caught instead of putting it off and, and asking the patient to come back and assuming they will. So I think that it can start with paper and then it can grow from there. People who have good electronic health records definitely can build those systems in and I can't overemphasize how important electronic health records will become in our future of catching those missed opportunities. I know I've worked in systems in the past where a reminder pops up and it tells you hello, take notice, this hasn't been done in a while, and that's great. But for many of us, we don't have the benefit of that, or that takes a lot of time and effort and money to bring that into play. So going ahead and saying, well, we won't have an electronic health record to do this for me right away, I'll do something on paper, is a great start. But with that said, let me ask you about a different issue. I think we're all very aggressive with diabetics and people with established heart disease, prior bypass patients. There's a lot of people walking around who may not have seen a doctor, for example, who have multiple cardiovascular risk factors. And I wonder if you have any thoughts on how you capture those people. How do you bring them into the system? And then in your own practice, how you deal with primary prevention patients? I think that that's a really key point because you and I see the complex patients where we're treating the disease when what we really want to do is not have the disease happen at all. The consequences are much better if we catch it early. And I think that educating the public, I think that there are a lot of education programs out there to the public to get in, to get these risk factors done. But then for physicians to realize, especially in the primary care offices, that you can see most of these diseases coming. You can see those lipid disorders evolving. You can see the metabolic syndrome and what it will lead to and really honing in on that and realizing that you have that key opportunity to pull that patient in and educate them. I think one of the most inspiring things that you can tell a patient who doesn't want to do lifestyle or has been told over the years their cholesterol is abnormal is to talk about metabolic syndrome and what it means for their downstream risk of developing diabetes. And people get that. They're scared of diabetes. And that is such a good motivating factor for patients that when they start to realize, oh, wow, I'm looking at heading towards diabetes and I could prevent this, it really turns them around. And I feel like that's where I get some of the better lifestyle changes out of patients is when it becomes personalized to them that, wow, I'm not the person that will be unscathed by this. I have to start paying attention to this. So I think that getting them into the office, however that happens, and then engaging them, checking a few labs, doing a waist circumference perhaps, or at least looking at their family history and honing in on you're the person who's going to get this disease if you don't do something differently, making the patient realize it's a priority. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Lipid Illuminations on ReachMD XM160. I'm Dr. Alan Brown, your host, and we're speaking with Dr. Ann Liebeskind, Clinical Program Director of Heart and Vascular Services at the Affinity Health System in Appleton, Wisconsin. You know, I certainly agree with the fact that most patients are more worried about diabetes than they are a heart attack. Uh, they conjure up thoughts of dialysis and they blindness and, and losing a limb. So it is a very powerful motivator when you have someone with a metabolic syndrome to try to motivate them to do lifestyle modification. So I'm intrigued by your comments about educating the primary care physicians. And obviously you feel a sense of responsibility since you have a sort of a tertiary care lipid program to go out and educate the doctors who would not only refer to you, but who need to see the patients on the front line. What kind of things are you doing 
to provide educational opportunities for the primary care physicians in your area? Beyond just the CME offerings, I think that one of the things within our system, since we are a multidisciplinary, multi-specialty clinic, is that we have a lot of primary care providers that are direct referral sources for us who really would love to keep as much of the complex stuff in their clinics as they could. So one of the things that I see the most appreciation out of from my referring base is virtual consults, as I call them. And at first I was worried, would that overwhelm my practice to offer basically free care, that they would email me cases and I would email back what I suggested. And not at all. I think people are very respectful of your time. And if it becomes too complex, they definitely will still send them to your clinic. But telling them you're on the right track, this is what you're doing, or taking that moment to educate that then they take back to the rest of the clinicians in their practice and say, hey, did you know that we shouldn't be using niacin for this reason, but this is when it's really great, and educating those bits by bits while they have a patient that they're trying to manage. And I see a great amount of appreciation, and then we're constantly updating their knowledge and bringing that level up so that when we get patients, they truly are the selected out complex ones, but they're the ones that are facing this on the front lines every day, and they want that knowledge. But costs of going to CME is tough. The time that they have to take away from their practices is tough. It's very hard for each person they have a select interest in a certain field to get that knowledge. So I think supporting them in any way, and I think that email and electronic ways of doing that are even more convenient now than paging and phone calls and things because they can look at it when they have time and get back to that patient as soon as possible. The key for all specialists seems to be that if they can provide knowledge out to the many physicians who are on the front line taking care of patients and help them do a better job, then their specialty clinics become extremely relevant and invaluable. And then they can obviously focus on the higher risk patients that truly need the intensive care. So I applaud what you're doing in Appleton. And uh, I wonder if you have any other comments about things you'd like to see in the future considering the epidemic of obesity and dyslipidemia and diabetes that we're facing from a systems management standpoint? I think it'll be an exciting time in the future. I think insurance plans are much more willing to come to the table now and talk about prevention. And if you come up with cost-effective plans and systems and you can prove that in your particular clinic you have good outcomes because you are doing the right thing and it also saves money in the long run, I think insurance plans are much more interested in sitting down with you and becoming innovative about the reimbursement issues. So I think that there's a lot of things that we'll all be coming to the table now and developing systems together that's a win-win for everyone and most importantly ends up being a win for the patient. Have you had some success working with local insurance companies in terms of developing projects and could you tell us a little bit about those types of endeavors? I know there are several examples out there, even in our area. I know, for example, UW-Madison has a great cardiometabolic program. We have an insurance plan attached with our health system, and so we have the benefit of being able to sit down face-to-face with people sometimes and talk about innovative ways of reimbursement. And we do, and I think that now we have some pilot programs going, and then over time as we track our data, we'll be able to come back and show to them that we are making success. They're very motivated to come to the table because they spend a great amount of money per member per month on the cost of treating patients who already have heart disease and diabetes. So their ears are wide open. And so trials like the Courage Trial really get them motivated to say, how can you bring this care to a medium-sized community, to a clinic, to any particular patient, because this is what we need to be doing. It's still a little unclear what the landscape for insurers and providers are going to be over the next few years, but as we unravel all of the new 
era in medicine. Certainly in the past, since employers are often the purchasers of insurance, the insurance companies get graded on how well they provide preventative services. The Florida Lipid Association, one of our chapters, had done a, quite a big project in Florida to try and get out to the public that they should look at how well their insurance covers preventative services. And when that process started, it got insurers to be more sensitive about whether or not they can deliver prevention. So if you do have a clinic where you can show that the patients that are insured by that company are going to get a standard of care that's very positive, that helps their profile, and it's a win-win for everybody in addition to the longer-term reduction in cardiovascular costs. I think so, and I definitely have to say that we can also learn from the federal government. People are concerned about government-based health care, but I worked in the veteran system, and we can learn a lot from all of the checks and balances and preventive measures that they've implemented for veterans, and I think that we can all do a little bit better job. Well, Anne, thank you very much for joining us today on Lipid Illuminations and uh, giving us your insights on the importance of a systematic approach to care and also some of the innovative things you're doing in Appleton. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Lipid Illuminations presented by the National Lipid Association. For more information, visit www.lipid.org. The preceding Lipid Luminations program was brought to you by First Line Therapy, a Metagenics lifestyle medicine program. Good for your patients, good for your practice. Visit FirstLineTherapy.com. Imagine the frustration of your patients with chronic illness. I was becoming very frustrated that I wasn't able to help people. Sure, I could give an antibiotic for a UTI, or I could give you know some medicine for blood sugar and maybe an antidepressant for people who were anxious, but it wasn't really changing their lives. As a dedicated physician, you want to help them, but how? Part of my challenge is how do I do this? How do I unlock a patient's desire to want to do what I want them to do? Now, imagine reversing your patient's chronic illness in 12 weeks or less. I actually see patients who lose hope and are frustrated. I get to give them hope. Imagine seeing your patients and practice thrive. The income, residual income, was a complete blessing that was unexpected back into our office. Imagine making a difference. People's lives have been changed. Introducing First Line Therapy, a proven science-based system of making successful therapeutic lifestyle changes in patients with chronic illness, used by over 4,000 healthcare professionals. They eat better, they learn what it is to eat healthy, they exercise, they reduce their stress. First Line Therapy is a lifestyle medicine program. Designed by healthcare experts, it helps patients with chronic illness return to a path of better health. This isn't a weight reduction program, it's a disease reduction program that helps people achieve and maintain a healthy body composition and reduce their risk for more serious conditions. My patients have extremely benefited from this. Blending on-site training and ongoing support, First Line Therapy is a program that patients understand and can stick with for life. It's just really quite phenomenal to see the before and afters. Call 877-711-FIRST to learn more and get 25% off our three-day on-site training program. 877-711-FIRST or go to firstlinetherapy.com. We're getting amazing results with the program. First Line Therapy. Lifestyle medicine simplified.